And we are live. Welcome to Staking Mondays. My name is Ken. I'm with the co-founder of Staking Rewards here, Mirko Schmiedel. And we are delighted to welcome today's guest, Sam Harrison, Harmony's head of ecosystem growth. Harmony is an alternative layer one blockchain, currently number 24 by stake value on Staking Rewards. And Harmony features native bridges to other chains and sharding design on the protocol level. Today, we're going to dive into the multi-chain world, blockchain bridges, state-of-the-art flaws and outlooks, alternative layer ones, blockchain sharding, and Harmony's big vision. So stay tuned for some unique insights here today. And today's episode is sponsored by Lido Finance. Lido is the market-leading liquid staking solution. With Lido, you can stake Ethereum, Solana, and Terra while keeping full liquidity via staking derivatives. The staking derivatives you use in multiple DeFi applications to generate additional yield. So let's start today, Sam. We're going to hit this, uh, hit the ground running here with some lightning round questions. And first, if you could just answer, what was your uh, first crypto investment outside of BTC and Ethereum? <laughs> uh, actually, this will surprise you, Ken. Uh, my first uh, crypto investment was Civic, um, sh followed shortly after by uh, investing in the Tezos ICO back in 2000. And what was that, 17, I think? Yeah. Interesting one. Nice. And which person inspired you the most during your crypto journey? Which person? I mean, the, the standard answer for this is, is Vitalik himself. Um, but I also think, you know, uh, Naval has been incredibly inspirational, um, as well as, uh, let's see, who, who do I think? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd list those top two, you know, Vitalik and, and Naval. Although, that being said, I would be completely remiss to set to uh, omit uh, Stephen C from my influences and the people that I really look up to in in crypto. Absolutely, and it feels like uh, every guest we have on sort of quotes Vitalik as being the most inspiring. Um, so, so what about most inspiring L ones outside of Harmony or Ethereum? Most inspiring L ones outside of Harmony and Ethereum. I really like what Cosmos is doing. Um, in a lot of ways, and this leads in a little bit, I think, to, to some of the conversations we'll have a little bit later, but the world of multi-chain is the path that we're going to go. Uh, I don't really think there's going to be one chain that rules them all. I think it's going to be a multi-chain world. And Cosmos was one of the first ones who really leaned into that. So I'm a big fan of Cosmos. That's awesome. We'll certainly dive more into that uh, later down in the show. I'm um, looking forward to that. And uh, quick one, like how do you stay up to date with crypto news and markets in general outside of uh, Twitter? I mean, Twitter is like number one anyway, right? Yeah. Twitter is always number one. The crypto Twitter, you cannot possibly like ignore. I know a couple of times when I try to be off of Twitter for, for like a family vacation or I'm going skiing or something, by the time I get back after a week, I'm completely out of date. Like four or five massive events have happened and it's, it's pretty big. So besides, besides crypto Twitter, um, I, of course, uh, stay very up to date because I'm in several different Telegram groups who are constantly pinging me and telling me what's going on. And also a variety of different subreddits. Uh, the cryptocurrency subreddit is pretty good. The Harmony.one subreddit is also really good, especially when we're looking um, core and the, the Harmony ecosystem. Um, I also have Google Alerts. Um, one of my favorite Google Alerts is novel blockchain uses. Um, so I get these emails all the time that have all of these various different new ways in which people are trying to use uh, blockchain technology to solve problems. And Sam, last time that you checked your crypto portfolio. 
uh, last night when I was I was claiming some of my yields. Uh, I haven't done it yet this morning because it's it's you know it's nine o'clock in the morning for me. I just barely finished my my morning routine. Um, but last night I was you know checking my yields, making sure I harvested those those farms that need to be harvested in DeFi. Awesome. And do you have any travel plans coming up? Any conferences you're going to, or like where where you're traveling to next? I am going to live in Denver for almost the entire month of February. Uh, so East Denver is coming up next month and, and Harmony is going to be there in a big way. Uh, I show up there pretty early, you know, Biddle week or, or the hack week begins on the, the 11th of February, which also happens to be my birthday. So I'm getting pretty old. Um, and then we have the main event that starts on the 17th that runs to the 20th. And then I'll also be up in the Breckenridge for the, uh, the mountain retreat from the 21st to the 24th. So if anybody's there in Denver, come look me up. We're going to have a lot of fun together. Awesome. Really cool. So let's dive into some of the more long format questions. And you already touched on it a little bit. So um, talking about the multi-chain world, um, first question, can there be a multi-chain world that's like entirely trustless? And how does that look like? It's an excellent question. Um, so the answer is yes, there can be a multi-chain world that is entirely trustless. And the way it works is the same way we're seeing it work on proof of stake networks. When you think about a trustless proof of stake, you realize that all of these various different validators and, and uh, people who are running the nodes, they're, it's a decentralized community. And that can also work for building and operating these bridges between chains. You can have trustless vaults where a decentralized system of, of, of individuals are running that trustless network. Um, and I think that is the future. Uh, just like I'm able to send my money from one bank to another bank, I should be able to send my crypto from one platform to another. And the thing that is super tricky that I'm very excited to see solutions come out, not just tokens, because that's equivalent to going from one bank to another bank with your, with your money, but it's also... Let's look at our NFTs. Let's look about uh, what are the assets that we have in the various different play to earn games or the GameFi ecosystems. All of those different other you know, digital crypto assets, those also should be able to be changed from one chain to another. But that's, that's a tricky problem. So I'm anticipating a lot of really cool stuff to happen there. Okay, fair enough. And uh, talking about bridges, so they do allow us to move collateral NFTs, assets, tokens from chain to chain unlocking really new user bases and potential new use cases. Uh, what, what do you think is wrong with most bridges today? So I don't know if I'd categorize it as wrong, just because I'm a firm believer in the fact that we are early days. We are day one in all of these various different brand new technologies. And so I try really hard just to say, hey, this has not been built yet. Um, just like I don't think that the fact that I'm you know, I have grain hair and I'm a little bit overweight means that I'm wrong. It's just that I haven't fixed that yet. Oh, I don't care about my grain hair. I haven't fixed, I have my Peloton bike in the background, uh, but I haven't fixed my slightly overweight problem yet. But I don't consider it wrong. As far as bridges themselves, one of the things that it's extremely difficult to do is if you have something very, very valuable on one chain that you're trying to move over to another chain. Let's take, for example, a board ape. Um, I don't know what the current, you know, floor price is, but when I was looking at them back in December, it was basically $200,000. And am I going to trust moving that board ape from my Ethereum wallet that's in cold storage or whatever the, the, the system of security that I've established on Ethereum into 
unanonymous wallet and a secure wallet and then move it on to another chain. I'm cautious about that. It's not that it can't happen. It's just that the things that we've built so far need a little bit more testing. We need to kick the tires a little bit more. We need to run them into a couple more walls and see where it breaks. Um, and that's, that's it. It's, I don't think there's anything wrong. It's just a lot of these chains are new. I mean, we've been having chains for maybe a year, maybe two years ish. Um, but uh, so we have a lot of work on, on making sure we feel safe and secure using them for our, our very valuable assets. All right. So you've spent a lot of time developing bridges for Harmony, uh, bridging to uh, other layer one chains. Um, maybe you can give a quick intro to that and also like then going into like what are potential tech factors for, for that bridge? Oh, that's interesting. I won't be able to talk too much about the potential attack vectors because that's not necessarily my area of expertise, but I can talk a little bit about them. Um, so the way, uh, so we have something called the Horizon Bridge on Harmony. And you're able to bridge uh, between Harmony and uh, Binance Smart Chain and Ethereum. Um, we've added additional partners such as AnySwap to be able to bridge to a whole variety. Uh, we have a Bitcoin bridge that is about to launch or has recently launched but we're doing um, a bunch of testing on it to make sure it's safe and trustless, which is really important. Um, and so we have all of these various different stages. Now, there are always possibilities as you bridge that something in the code that you used may have an exploit that you don't know yet. So we always try, especially at Harmony, we test, we audit, we, we work with code that we can trust. It's one of the huge values of open source software is the fact that this stuff has been beat over the head and and so many people have really examined this code inside and out. So we try to use that very, very uh, thoroughly. Also, uh, Harmony is dedicated to put the best research in technology into production. Um, so you'll see a lot of brand new stuff that, that comes out and gets produced over at Harmony along the lines of ZK proofs and, and snarks and all those various different amazing ZK aspects. Um, I think that answers a little bit of the question, but at the end of the day, um, bridging is vital, especially for the future. And so one of the things I would recommend is people start using it and maybe in lower amounts until you feel like you can trust it, do your own research, make sure you understand the mechanics of how that particular bridge works. And uh, when you get there, you know, be so excited to enter a new world and be opening and, 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 and kind to the community as you ask questions and answer questions. Yeah, definitely getting the users excited to get into those bridges and uh, start bridging assets from uh, one chain to another. And definitely uh, a bridge needs to stand the test of time as well. The more time passes, the more attack vectors will have been flushed out. So um, also for anyone listening in the audience right now, feel free to ask questions and we can uh, get Sam answering those at the end of the episode here. Um, so Sam, why, Give your best case of why someone would want to build on Harmony instead of Ethereum uh, once Ethereum 2.0 is released. <laughs> once Ethereum 2.0 is released. Ken, you and I have known each other for a long time. How long have they been saying, oh, Ethereum 2.0 is <laughs> going to be released next month or next quarter or next year? So I'm very excited to see Ethereum 2.0 come out when it eventually comes out. That being said, I'm not necessarily holding my breath or anticipating my future rewards as it comes out. So uh, Harmony today has uh, very, very low transaction fees. They're, they're less than a fraction of a penny, 
we have two second finality in our transactions. Now that does that that means that um, it's not just the fact that your transaction is processed, but it's final, right? Which is different than something like an optimism rollout, right? And so you're able to, or a ZK rollup, or even you know the variety of different you know ways in which we accelerate transactions on different platforms. So we have that, that we are also fully EVM compatible, which Ethereum is as well, because they are Ethereum. Um, but the ability to, to start on Harmony and then bridge to all chains is exceptionally useful because this idea of transaction fees, especially if you're doing something like game finance or, or GameFi or, or play to earn, you're starting with almost nothing in your bank and you want to be able to start accumulating assets and participate in finance and participate in liquidity pools. But if every transaction you make takes $100, $50, $200, then one of the things that's going to happen is all of those little minuscule rewards that you rack up at the beginning of your journey are going to get completely wiped out. And so you need vital institutions like Yield Guild to be able to help you bootstrap into a sustainable model. When you're in harmony, those transactions are not expensive at all. Um, like I said, last night, I, I just, uh, you know, did all my yield farming, which was great. And it cost me maybe a penny. Uh, I have to go back and actually look at my account, but it was so small that I knew that I could, I could harvest these, I could redeploy these yields, I could redeploy this, these staking rewards, uh, where I needed to immediately without losing my shirt in, um, in transaction fees. So that's what I'd recommend. Now, to your point about the fact that that Ethereum 2.0 is 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 coming yeah they'll have a lot of solutions for that coming forward and i anticipate that um but today harmony is live so if you're looking at building today we're we we are a theory <laughs> for lack of a better term cool cool and so um that maybe speaking a little bit about cosmos like you mentioned earlier um that you find it very interesting so what is your take in general like on like let's say the, the Cosmos interchain where everything is connected natively in a sense. And then the, the multi-chain world where like Harmony is connected with other ones like via bridges, um, which are potentially like less secure or like less convenient than like native um, interchain world, like in Cosmos. Um, what's your take on that? What, what do you think will be like um, the, the, the better solution going forward in, in general? And like, what are the, the different trade-offs and so on? That's an excellent question. And I'm not qualified to answer that question, to be completely honest. Um, and I'm more than happy to say that, you know, in situations like this, I don't know, but we have incredibly smart people working on those exact problems. And what I am anticipating is I'm anticipating the market to help us decide. I am a huge believer in decentralization. I'm a huge believer in open source software. I'm a huge believer in the fact that not one person or one small team of five to six people are able to determine the future of crypto. What I wanna see is I wanna see something like Cosmos. I wanna see something like a multi-bridge world. I wanna see solutions grow and then the population and the audience and, and the people who use them are the ones who say, no, 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 this is the better way or that's the better way. Or, hey, we have this particular pain point that we don't like, so please somebody solve this for us. I think that's the better way than rather than saying, oh, I'm gonna predict that this is gonna be the future. I'm, I am in this particular case, I am a follower and I'm not going to be leading this one. I don't have the technical smarts to be able to do that. 
Yeah, and uh, Sam, taking it back to one question, I, I believe the time frame is two to four weeks is when we can expect ETH 2.0 to launch, right? <laughs> back to Are you sure it's two to four weeks? Years. I thought it was tomorrow. Two to Didn't four weeks. Did ETH 2.0 yeah. launch yesterday? <laughs> so uh, getting into the next question here. So if we build our entire economy on a multi-chain world, we, we pretty much lose and forego any feature of atomic composability. So multiple actions across dApps and protocols in a single transaction. How do you think this will play out? Maybe in the end, most applications still have to be deployed on L1s. Let's see. So if we move to a multi-chain world, we'll lose the ability to do atomic swaps is the takeaway, right? That's that's the crux of the question. Atomic com I, uh, composability. So basically multiple actions on dApps and protocols uh, occurring in a single transaction. We're going to lose that ability if we have uh, a multi-chain world. Okay, so so part of this, part of what you're, if I understand, if I'm parsing it correctly, and I may be reframing it a little bit so I can answer it in the vocabulary that I have. Um, some of this atomic composability was put in place because doing one transaction for each piece was too expensive. I mean, if we think about, you know, um, kind of December-ish when I was playing on Olympus DAO and it was all on, on um, Ethereum, you know, I had to do a transaction to approve my wallet to do something. Then I had to do a separate transaction to stake my own. And then I had to do a separate transaction to wrap it or convert it. And every single time it cost me two to $300. But then they rolled out something that I could do it all in one go, right? I could uh, zap wrap, I think it was called. I have to go back and take a look at it. But the idea is, is I could purchase home, I could stake it, and I could wrap it all in one transaction. That necessity was needed specifically because of the cost of transactions. So as we're able to, to lessen these tra the transaction costs, we can still have that composability across the board. Now, the, the, the delicate piece is whether or not we still find that a composable transaction stack, so to speak, is still valuable. And I think there are going to be situations where it is, for security or for um, rapidity or, or to simplify the transaction load on the chain. I don't have a clear answer to that yet, but just as I know that uh, NFT bridges are doing more than just capturing your NFT and putting it in a static contract and then saying, yes, I own this NFT over here, we're gonna see the same sort of stuff that'll happen where a smart contract you can have oracles that can read the smart contracts on other chains and import that same data into your new you know, instance of it on whatever chain, the client chain you're moving to. I don't think that that's been tested out. I don't think that's been deployed in any sense, but I think it's a path to where we could possibly go. Cool, cool. And so talking a little bit about... Um... The, the core Harmony team, which you're obviously uh, part of, um, like how much of your work goes towards like either attracting developers or on the other hand, attracting users? Like what, what do you find more important for, for you as a team as like an accelerator or like bootstrapper of the network there? Uh, that's an excellent question. And the answer is you can't choose one over the other. Uh, developers are going to go where the users are. Users are going to go where the products are. Right. Uh, it's one of the reasons why being EVM compatible is so vital. It's because the developers already exist. And so you can tap into all those solidity devs and say, yes, I, I know how to use this particular product. 
Ken, you remember really well early days in Tezos where everybody had great ideas for products, but no one could find developers because of the unique coding language that they were in. Um, and not to bash on Tezos at all, because I really, really like a lot of the things that Arthur built over there. Um, but the takeaway is you do need to get your message out that something that you have built is there. If developers don't know that they can use their skills and solidity to be able to have lightning fast transactions and to be able to have very cheap transactions and be able to deploy to an audience, then developers are going to stay where they know their products are going to be used. Users are going to love the experience that they have on Harmony, but if there's nothing there, they don't really care. All they can do is hold their coins and, and it's a zombie chain effectively. So you have to do both and you have to embrace both. And you have to both run hackathons and do developer bounties and, and incentives, as well as run marketing development campaigns and make sure that people know what you have. Um, luckily, Harmony has one of the best, if not the best game in the crypto space that brings a lot of attention, both from developers and, um, and users onto Harmony. I mean, this is DeFi Kingdoms. It's a phenomenal game. That team is terrific. Uh, and so the more and more we can get stuff like that, the better off I think uh, we will be and everyone will be. DeFi Kingdoms. Okay, we'll have to check that out. We'll see if anyone in the uh, comments section here enjoys playing that as well. Oh, you got to be kidding me, Ken. If you haven't tried out DeFi Kingdoms, you have to check it out. It is by far the largest game in crypto. Um, and it is just a fantastic, fantastic team and a fantastic product. Yeah, and you made some great points there. Uh, attracting users and developers really does need to be hand in hand. And uh, definitely when you're bootstrapping an ecosystem in the, in the early days as well, having a good coding language, even uh, as the blockchain evolves and becomes more mature, you want to have a good significant amount of capital and collateral on that chain so that when a product is built, uh, there's enough throughput that developers can actually profit and generate revenue streams from it as well. So great points you made there, Sam. Um, so next question here. So what if someone builds an ultra scalable L1 blockchain that doesn't rely on sharding, but can still facilitate the same throughput. Would Harmony be in a position to change its economic model and switch to a better model easily? I guess really the question is, uh, what is the process of undergoing, undergoing upgrades for Harmony? Uh, well, that's excellent. I think the standard process like many others is a, is a hard fork of some sort. Um, which a lot of people don't love the concept of hard fork because like, ah, oh, what's happening? But I think it's okay in some instances. Um, I'm not, the, the, there are a high variety of scalable solutions that people can pick from when they're building a blockchain. The thing that we like about sharding is that it's horizontally scalable, meaning that we can add as many shards as we need to, to address the scalability issues. Um, so right now, we, even though we're processing something on the order of eight to 10 million transactions a day, you know, we are still mainly using one and a half shards and we have four shards spun up, but we don't need them yet. Um, and so when that scalability requirement really hits, we can start adding additional shards. We can go to shard five and six and seven and eight until, you know, we have as many shards as we need to. Um, and that's part of the value of our particular uh, uh, scaling solution is horizontally scalable. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, 
And then like besides technology and the economics of Harmony, um, what do you think differentiates Harmony from other blockchains in general? Like what is very unique about Harmony? That's actually an technology? excellent, yeah, that is actually an excellent question because truth be told, our technology is very similar to many others. If you look at our transactions, you know, our, our transactions per second or our transaction fees, you know, scaling and, and sharding, it's very similar to several others out there. I think one of the big differences, and I've worked really hard to help encourage this internally, is our community. We really truly believe that we are non-monogamous, for lack of a better term. We are not, we are polyamorous. We love harmonauts and we love cosmonauts and we love people from, from Polygon and we love people from all Ethereum. Um, we are not maximalists. And so as you come, and DeFi Kingdoms is actually a great example. DeFi Kingdoms was built and ran initially on, on, on Harmony and still does. And a majority of their transactions happen on Harmony. But they also recently launched on Avalanche, which is great. And we helped them and we encouraged them and we gave them financing to help accomplish you know, their goals of what they needed to do because we believe in this multi-chain world. And so as you come to build on Harmony, know that we're not gonna try and be very precious and, and keep you here and hold you tight and not let your value escape our chain. No, 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 we believe in the future of all chains. And so if you do go multi-chain, we wanna help you accomplish that. If you are on a different chain and wanna port and add Harmony to your mix, we also wanna encourage that. You don't have to leave Ethereum, you don't have to leave Solana, you're just opening up your, your, your sandbox to more kids to play in. The, the Harmony children, that's not a thing. The, har the Harmonauts and the blue shirts. Awesome, and Sam, it's pretty clear that Harmony and, and you, you guys believe in a, a, a multi-chain world. So could you give us an example of what it would look like in a world in which Harmony is ultra successful? Is it something where the entire world economy is built on harmony or, or what would be the scenario? <laughs> I think it depends. Um, and again, Ken, you know, I've referenced back to Tezos a couple of times because I'm extremely familiar with their platform. Um, but this is another area where I think that they got some stuff correct. So Tezos is, is, is uh, written in OCaml. It's functional programming. Um, and in certain industries, by regulation and by consensus, you have to use this high level, very strict programming language. Stephen C., the founder of, of Harmony, is actually a huge fan of OCaml. We talked about it in our first interview. Um, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't code at all, I can't. But he's like, no, you gotta learn about OCaml. It's so awesome, it's so cool. He has a PhD in OCaml. Um, and so when you build something for the automotive industry or when you build something for the aerospace industry, they require you to use functional programming like OCaml. And so if automotive or aerospace is using blockchain, they're going to use something like Tezos. If it's a little bit looser, you're, you want more transaction or more consumer friendly, or you're looking for adoption, you're going to use something that everybody can use, that developers can use, that you can have you know, regular people jump in and code and help that open source project. And so you're going to use stuff that's derived from Ethereum and it's compatible with EVM technology, mainly because that's where the most people are. It's that network effect. Like even if I want to spin up my own social network, if I'm not, if I don't have something like Facebook, it's not going to work super well because that, uh, okay, that's how old I am is my social network of, of reference is Facebook, not, you know, Instagram, which is Facebook too, by the way. Um, 
So I think that kind of answers your question, Ken, is the future is Harmony can be a base layer or an infrastructure layer for all of these various different blockchains that are all interacting and they're all composing and using stuff from thing to thing to thing. And then when you go off in a specific industry or when you go off into a, a specific use case, you may use a blockchain that's optimized for that very specific item. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, really cool. So like speaking about this, like what is your like as the core team of Harmony, what is your North Star? Like what are you working towards to? Like you already mentioned like you are, yeah, like you're really embracing like a non-maximalist community kind of. So <laughs> um, like what, what is it that, that is like the one like North Star for you as a core team? That's a, that's a very interesting question. Um, partly because uh, earlier last week, our founder um, published his 2026 vision. Um, and you can actually go and read this. It's harmony.one slash 2026. And in there, he talks predominantly about two main things that we're focused on. ZK technology, zero knowledge technology. So this is both ZK proofs and ZK rollups and ZK snarks and all of those various different um, aspects to help scale add privacy, add all sorts of layers to the blockchain that are necessary, and DAOs. DAOs are so tough. So this is one of the areas in which I, it's actually part main part of my job, is I'm the Harmony, quote unquote, DAO guy. I won't say that I'm the smartest person in DAOs, but I've been around them a long time. I've been thinking about them for a while. And I've had a lot of experience in trying to organize a community to come together for a specific purpose that they're really excited about. Um, and that's really what a DAO is, is how can you make that happen? And so by 2026, our entire treasury, which is now roughly a billion dollars worth, I have to go check, you know, fluctuates with the value of our token, um, will be distributed amongst 10,000 DAOs. And just the idea of facilitating that from an operational perspective is, uh, gives me a headache. Um, but that as well as we have ZK technology built in throughout all of our different products. Um, in fact, we even started what we're affectionately referring to as the ZK University. But on our, on our own YouTube channel, um, Harmony Protocol, uh, you can see all these lectures about how to use, develop, and deploy zero knowledge pieces, you know, proofs, snarks, rollups, et cetera. Very exciting. Yeah, having a zero knowledge proofs, any kind of privacy features added to the chain is going to be a, a big technical improvement. And then talking about the DAOs, 10,000 DAOs to distribute the treasury holdings too. That's going to be amazing to see. It's really going to help the community grow and you know feel funded and, and more welcome if it's properly distributed like that. So exciting times ahead for the next five years, it seems. Mm -hmm. um, so how about, how would you suggest uh, someone who's looking to stake how would you suggest they evaluate and choose a good Harmony staking provider? Oh, that's an excellent question. That is an excellent question. So the first thing I'd do is I'd probably get involved with the validator DAO. Um, the validator DAO is, is one of the many DAOs that already exist on Harmony. I think we're roughly around 50 right now. Um, so the validator DAO, you can go and you can talk to them and you can evaluate a couple of different things. Number one, you can see how much they're actually engaging and the Harmony Improvement Proposal, HIP voting, um, which has to do with a variety of different things. It's, it's, it's on-chain governance, effectively. Um, actually, I, I quibble with that phrase a little bit because it's not on-chain governance. We are signaling our intent that we like something through a snapshot instance. 
And then it's up to people to actually implement that. Um, so I just want to make sure that that's clear. It's not an if this, then that sort of implementation. Um, so that's where I'd start is go talk to the validator DAO, take a look at the variety of different things that they've actually done and how they've engaged in governance. The next thing I'd say is, you know, you can take a look at the dashboard, staking.harmony.one, and you're going to have small variations in what sort of return you expect. Um, be cautious because brand new validators that have just been elected, they will have very, very high APYs. And that's because they don't have this large history. Everything basically evens out over time at around nine to 10%. So watch that. And then watch what sort of commissions or fees they charge. So some will be at 5%, some will be at uh, 1%, some will be at 10%. And so you have to kind of look at what you're doing. When you do that, some of these validators say, yeah, we do charge a bit of a premium. We do charge say 7% or 10%. But the reason is, is because half of that goes to a charitable cause of some sort, or half of it goes to supporting the validator DAO or the creative DAO or the community DAO. Like all of these various different validators can have things that they use their, their additional commissions to support. And so you can select some validators based on that as well. Oh, technically speaking, you should also look for ones that are consistently elected. It's like being consistently up, you know, uh, you know, uptime is high. Uptime performance. Yeah. And yeah. I would suggest all the users definitely check out the Harmony profile on staking rewards as well. We have a full list of all the validators, uh, their individual rewards, their fees, their balance uh, of the total staked amount, uh, a lot of details and on-chain data. Uh, derived on that Harmony page on Staking Rewards. Definitely a good resource for anyone to check out. So you already I mentioned- agree. Yeah. Definitely go to Staking Rewards and check <laughs> out the Harmony profile. And you mentioned uh, some DAOs like the Validator DAO, right? So I wonder if you could tell us, um, maybe just top of, the, top of the head here, what are the best DAOs currently existing in the space and a little bit about them? In Harmony or in general? In Harmony, yep. Okay. So some of the, some of the DAOs that I really- well, it's actually it's a very interesting question because there are a lot of projects that call themselves a DAO that aren't necessarily a DAO, um, but they call themselves a DAO because that's what people are doing now. Um, I'm a big fan of what we're, what our validator DAO is doing. I'm a very big fan of what our community DAO is doing. I really like what our Africa DAO is set up to do and the impact that we're actually having on that continent. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, our creative DAO is just getting started, as is our incubator DAO. Incubator DAO, once it kind of gets up and really operational, there are some fantastic things. I mean, this is an organization whose mission is to help a new product find traction. And you can consider that being either adoption in the number of users use it or total value locked if it's some sort of you know DeFi protocol. They help you find talent, right? So this is if you need creative talent, if you need developer talent, if you need somebody to write code right? They'll have a body of people that say, okay, yeah, here's a person. And then the third one I talk about is I talk about in terms of, of treasury. And that's not just, okay, I'm, we're going to help you get funded, but we're going to help advise you when it comes to tokenomics. We're going to help advise you when it comes to burn rate. We're going to help advise you in, okay, what are the different mechanisms that you can use to help fund your project? And so this incubator DAO is going to, it's going to be such an important gasoline on the ecosystem not to burn it down that's horrible that don't use that analogy no fertilizer that even that sounds bad too 
it's going to be a very big driver to do what we're doing in the Harvard ecosystem is this power of the incubator now. Pretty cool. And uh, like outside of DAOs, like what, what are other interesting or like most interesting projects for you in the Harmony ecosystem? And like what also like um, are there any avenues that um, stakers or anyone like holding one can earn yield outside of like native staking and like um, which which you find most interesting in that sense or like highest yielding, highest risk, lowest risk or like best, <laughs> best risk uh, reward ratio? Um, yeah. It sounds, honestly, it sounds like you're asking me for investment advice. And I feel like I need to do a qualification as I dive in here and remind you and say, nothing that I say here is investment advice. These are just things that I kind of like and I'm kind of entertained by. Um, so, so I would say this. So there is a natural friction between staking and decentralized finance. Because if I'm using my tokens to be part of a liquidity pool and decentralized finance, I can't stake them. And if I can't stake them, then I'm not securing the network. And so that's why you find that some very, very prominent decentralized finance chains have a low staking percentage because people are using their native tokens to, to participate in decentralized finance because decentralized finance in general has more options to be able to find a higher yield than a standard you know, five, 10, 15% staking yield. So watch that carefully. Now, I, um, I enjoy decentralized finance on Harmony. You know, we have PancakeSwap, we have uh, SushiSwap, we have Vikraswap and, and DeFi Kingdoms has a phenomenal DEX built in. Um, because I can, like I said before, I can claim my yield I can restake, I can re kind of put it back into the system immediately. And in that way, start taking advantage of, of, of compounding interest um, to use a term from a different, you know, different industry, slightly different industry. The difficult thing is if I'm over in Ethereum or someplace that has high fees, I can't do that, right? Every single time I harvest my yield, it, it takes a huge percentage of that yield and, and, and kills it through transactions. So I watch that carefully. Um, I just particularly like, you know, one of the reasons I keep on going back to DeFi Kingdoms is it's combining all of the various different threads that are big right now in, in blockchain. It starts with a DEX, right? It starts with decentralized finance. Then you also add NFTs into it. And those NFTs you can buy and sell and mint and all this various different stuff. But then you have a gamification aspect where you can take those NFTs and and complete quests and you can fight and you can, and there's on their roadmap about what they're developing, what they're deploying is incredibly cool. So DeFi Kingdoms has DeFi, it has NFTs and it has, you know, play to earn components that are built in, which is exceptionally, I, I really like the future there for DeFi Kingdoms. Not all of it is fully built. I will caution you on that. Mm -hmm. um, it's, there's a roadmap there and DeFi Kingdoms has only been around about six months or so, maybe even less. Um, but they're doing great things. All right. And and you can stake it? The native token? There, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the way that it works is um, there are a variety. The native token in DeFi Kingdoms is called Jewel. Um, and that's what you get rewarded in when you're participating in the variety of different uh, liquidity pools. You can stake Jewel internally um, in their bank and be able to claim reward. Their tokenomics are 
are slightly different. And to be honest, I'd have to go back and look. I recommend you have a great conversation with one of their one of their develop uh, one of their leaders and core team members. This guy named Dreamer, ten years at Goldman Sachs and left Goldman Sachs to join DeFi Kingdoms. Really, really smart guy. Really great guy. Um, and and but that's what happens. There's there's a mechanism there that when you claim your rewards when you stake Jewel, you actually don't get more re- you don't get the rewards back. I think they purchase market Jewel and burn it to decrease the market supply of Jewel, I think. I have to look at that really quickly. Yeah, Easy No just popped in. Hey, Pat. Hey, Patrick. Um, he just mentioned, you know, you can solo stake Jewel in the bank as X Jewel, which earns part of the fees for token swaps and more. So Part of the protocol fees. Excellent. And that sounds like it should be a candidate for integration on staking rewards. I'm sure our users would love to find out more about Jewel and everything that comes along with the yield generated there. Um, so... Something you said there, Sam, almost uh, tied back to our sponsor today, Lido Finance. So Lido has a lot of liquid staking solutions that allow you to benefit from the native staking yield that the token generates and then also uh, participate in DeFi yields as well. Is there anything in the works like that for the one token currently or are you guys even talking to Lido? There's there are a lot of conversations, uh, a lot of things that are, are happening. Staking derivatives is a huge conversation in general right now. Um, there's one, and I don't know it super, super well. It's called ST1, so also known as Stone. Um, maybe Patrick, if he's still on, he, he may know a little bit more about it, Easy Node. Um, he can pop in and, and mention something. Um, but there are things that are in process and in, and in development or recently launched that talk about staking derivatives. Very cool. And I'm a big fan of that name, ST1 Stone. Call it Stone. That, that's good marketing right there. <laughs> I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah. And so a uh, big announcement recently, Harmony uh, came out and said that they're going to be enabling staking via MetaMask. And this goes live later this week, February 11th, uh, next week, I believe. Uh, can you give us some insights into this announcement and what it means for the ecosystem? Well, MetaMask is the most commonly used wallet. And, and so to be able to stake directly natively out of your MetaMask is super valuable to expand the, the universe of people who can stake. Um, historically, you've had to install the the uh, Harmony Chrome extension wallet to stake because that's where all of the, the code and the standards and the communication took place. Um, but we're actually sunsetting that that particular product. Um, so as an as part of this announcement, you can stake out of MetaMask. Um, the the epoch that that that's triggered happens, I believe, on the 11th. Um, watch carefully any sort of notifications if you're interested. Because like all code and like what all product, there's a series of testing that happens before it goes live. And if something is discovered in that process, that may get pushed back a little bit just to, uh, to, to make sure that that is, is solved first. Um, but this is an opportunity for people to have their, their tokens in the wallet that they're constantly using all the time and stake them out of the same wallet. So you don't have to start transferring them back and forth and you don't have to stall, install a Chrome extension wallet, which no one wants to do. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's a great thing to, for usability for the audience and the, the population. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is going to help a lot of people um, make this checking experience much easier. Um, great stuff. Looking forward to that. Um, and then going into some of the community questions, um, guys, keep it coming. If you have any questions, uh, we still have a few minutes here. 
Um, let us know if you want to know anything about Harmony uh, from Sam. Uh, drop it in the chat here. Um, we start off like first questions from uh, Blockchain Bot. Shout out to you. Um, Harmony is already up and running with EVM, but is it even compatible with Wasm? Is Harmony already connected to a zone in Cosmos in order to move assets via IBC? Is there like anything like this in the works, or like do you know of anything, any way to like bridge to the Cosmos ecosystem? Uh, it's a good question, and the answer is I'm not aware of it yet. I know it's on our roadmap. Um, the we just we're just finishing our, our BTC bridge, our Bitcoin bridge, and that's what's been really been focused on. So unless there's a third party solution um, that will you know kind of port you eventually to Cosmos, I don't have anything off the top of my head I can talk about. It's not necessarily my area of, of expertise. And this is one of the things that's um, sometimes we forget is that crypto moves exceptionally quickly. Um, and, and I was asked earlier, how do I stay up to date on everything? And the answer is it's hard to stay up to date on everything. Um, so as far as our, our protocol for or our, our, our roadmap for what bridges are being built and what's being released, sometimes I can't be up to date on all of them because I'm busy working in the DAO space or getting prepped for ETH Denver, or I'm managing our $300 million ecosystem fund. Um, so sometimes it's a little tough to stay fully up to, to speed no on some of the really fun technical issues. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, I, I know that. Um, can't stay up to date with everything. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that Bitcoin bridge like uh, that you just mentioned. I, I saw someone in the comments was also asking something about it here. Um, yeah. Can't find the question now, but yeah. Maybe yeah. uh, explain the, like, what's happening there? You can bridge from and to Bitcoin or, yeah. Yeah, so you're able to start using your Bitcoin, um, if I understand it correctly. Um, and there is this brief overview that we had uh, in December on kind of where we were on it. There's a series of vaults where people can deposit their Bitcoin into, and then they have a, a Bitcoin minted over on Harmony at the current exchange value. And then you're able to use that Bitcoin as an asset throughout the various different DeFi protocols and all the various different DeFi aspects on Harmony. As a result, you know, if you have a significant amount of Bitcoin value that you're not able to participate in staking or, or, or decentralized finance yield, you want to unlock that. And so this is a mechanism to do it in a trustless way uh, because these vaults aren't run, they won't be run by independent team, uh, like internal teams. They will be run by external people. And that's one of the most important parts for a trustless multi-chain environment is we spin up these validators, we spin up these, these vaults that are not, that are entirely decentralized. Um, and that's the goal with the Bitcoin bridge. Yeah, very cool to hear that you guys have the bridge uh, from Bitcoin over to Harmony. I know uh, for me, talking with a lot of friends over the past years, getting them into crypto was the first step you know, they're believers in Bitcoin now. Now, the second step is to get them to wrap that Bitcoin and use it in some different ecosystems uh, to participate in DeFi, generate some more yields. So yep. cool that Harmony has that. Uh, next question up here is from Fernando Jones. How can I get a hold of hashtag one of those electric blue T-shirts? Is there a merch right? shop available? There is. There are a couple of merch shops available. Uh, of course, you know, head over to Harmony.one and there's a store link up there um, that's run by the community. Um, but also come talk to us. Like we are um, going to be all over the place as COVID kind of rolls down. And every place we go, I just shipped 2000 shirts to East Denver. Um, so we have a bunch of swag, a bunch of cool blue shirts that are out there. So come talk to us and, and, and hang out. Also engage with the community DAO. 
um, and engage with us on Twitter. And I have heard, again, I'm, I'm not, this is a decentralized world, so I don't control all of this, but I heard some conversations about people wanting to do raffles and rewards and stuff using blue shirts or other Harmony swag, which I think is pretty cool. This, I hope that, that answers the question. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we would definitely uh, get, get hold of some of that shirts as well. They're, they're quite uh, nice. Yeah, very cool. Electric blue. Um, so we have a, another question just came in from uh, Zach Z. Um, there was a concern last month where the shards went down and a lot of transactions were halted. Um, what were some of the key lessons learned there? Uh, maybe you can explain that incident briefly yeah. and like, yeah. Yeah, I can I can explain it in a little bit less technical way um, because there are a bunch of technical components that that go into it. Um, the end of the day, there there is a surprising amount of, of transactions that happen on Harmony. Um, a lot of calls, a lot of usage of our RPC network, a lot of usage of kind of uh, a high throughput that we are trying to manage as we accelerate and as we grow and grow and grow. The technology on the blockchain side has been solid across the board, but some of the technology that we've put in place to manage the inflow and outflow, um, notably RPCs and several other issues, that has created some bottlenecks that then can get overspammed or overworked. So the first thing that we did was we implemented a, a little bit of an increase in, in, in transaction costs, not you know huge, but enough to kind of scare off the spammers as a short-term fix um, as we implement a little bit better uh, rate limiting uh, solutions. Now, one of the other things that we did is we rolled out a patch, which I'm trying to remember exactly what it was because I don't work on the back end of, of, of uh, kind of server management, but there is something that we did to batch, batch not transactions, but communications and, and queries into longer periods of time and bring them, you know, so that the, we wouldn't overload a constant stream. There'll be one big burst, then another big burst, then another big burst. I think, if I recall the brief on this correctly, that solution ended up creating um, a small cascade of things that then we had to roll back once we saw that. And that was it, right? The, what we're doing right now is we're looking at all the various different best practices that have occurred over in the Web2 world and we're seeing what we can bring over to implement those um, into the Web3 world in as decentralized as a way as possible. Uh, one of the solutions is Pocket Network. I'm not sure if your audience is aware of them. It's, um, it is a, uh, it's a RPC service. Um, and we are currently, you know, about 20% of our traffic is going through uh, a Pocket Network. And they are really, um, really, really, really helpful. But... 20% uh, of our traffic is create, is using 80% or so of their throughput. There is a great analysis done on Reddit not too long ago um, that talked about, you know, the, the, the level of transactions um, and the level of, of traffic that goes back and forth. So I hope that answers some of your questions. There have been a couple of different um, recaps that have been posted and, and postmortems that have been posted about the, the, the shards going down or the RPC issues. It's growing pains. When you go from you know processing maybe fifty thousand transactions a day to multiple millions, ten million transactions a day um, in six months, you're going to run into a handful of growing pains. But it's exciting. 
And thanks for giving the explanation there, Sam. Uh, so to wrap up here, how can people follow you or learn more about the stuff that you're working on with Harmony? So you can follow me on Twitter, of course, at Samuel P. Harrison. Um, you can also engage with us at talk uh, on the, the forum, talk.harmony.one. Um, and I'm on there. I'm on both. Um, you can join our Telegram, the official Harmony Telegram uh, community chats. We have roughly 40 to 50,000 people in there. Follow the subreddit Harmony One. Uh, also roughly 40 to 50,000 people there. Follow Harmony Protocol on Twitter. Roughly 200,000 followers there. Um, and on Discord as well. We have a Discord server, um, which is very, very, also 40 to 50,000 people on there. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, come see us. For those of you who are who are feel confident in your COVID life, uh, you can come see us. We're going to be at East Denver. We're going to be very, very active there at the Art Hotel, as well as right across the street from the Art Hotel in the historic Colorado Center. Uh, we'll have an entire hack room that you can come hang out. We're calling it a Harmony Hub. And we'll have many parties at the temple and at the church. It sounds like I'm going to a religious experience, but no, there's going to be drinks. There's going to be DJs. It's going to be a great time. Really come to Denver. Any of you guys are there, please come and hang out. That's another place that you can get some of these awesome blue shirts that we love. Awesome. And hopefully some of our audience catches up with you in Denver. And Blockchain Bud, a good friend of the show here, just wants to make a remark that your office there reminds him of the early beginnings at Microsoft. That's definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is actually, this is this is an authentic Silicon Valley garage. This is where I work. Um, so I live here in Palo Alto. This is an authentic Silicon Valley garage. And I have been doing my, my podcasts here and my interviews here for nine months now. There is a series of videos on a YouTube channel called The Harmony Garage. And it really is about look, this is authentic. I'm inviting you guys into my home and the place where I build stuff and where I work. So welcome, Ken. Welcome, Mirko. I hope you guys enjoy being guests at the Harmony Garage. We definitely did. And it was great talking to you today, Sam. For everyone watching, please feel free to check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays on our YouTube channel and on Spotify. And of course, guys, subscribe to our channel, like this video, share it to your friends. And as always, happy staking. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Thanks you guys. guys.